everyone always has something to say relative to education. I think the fact that so many people have opinions and perspectives on the schools is... Hello, everybody. This is Jason Pace, and this is the Leading Education Podcast with Dr. Jeff Rose. And we are here on March 17th, an unprecedented time for everyone in the world, actually, and uh, glad to welcome uh, Jeff Rose uh, to his own podcast today. And we also have another special guest we're going to introduce in about 15 minutes. Um, uh, that would be Dr. Brian Hightower as well. So uh, we're just going to jump right into this, folks. Um, Jeff, I have heard you call this a snow day on steroids. I mean, I thought that was kind of funny, but you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that just have no idea what goes into, um, you know, the kind of conversations that take place and everything that goes on behind the scenes uh, in, in, in times like this, but there, there really have never been times like this. So, you know, I, I, going back Jason to our very first podcast, we talked about the intent of this show being to allow the listener to look under the hood of the school system. You know, that yeah. leading within the context of a school district is just really, really complicated work in a number of ways. And I won't go over all of the reasons, but it is. So as we live through, everyone is living through these times that are just unchartered. We don't know what tomorrow brings. There's a lot of fear and anxiety. And in many ways we're leading with a little bit of critical thought, but a lot of emotion. And that is because we're all nervous and we're all scared. And of course we are uh, surrounded by media and messages. And so it just seemed like the right thing to do to talk about um, the kinds of decisions that are currently being made on behalf of our kids and our stu and students and schools and communities um, and kind of how, how they get made. And so I can talk about some assumptions, but I also want to be really clear. I'm no longer in the seat, right? I'm not a superintendent anymore. And so I know what it's like to make difficult decisions, but I don't know what it's like to make these decisions because this is, um, this is monumental, right? This is historical. We have not lived through this in our lifetime. Um, and, nor, and to your point earlier when we were chatting, nor has anyone. Right. There hasn't been yeah, anyone right. currently that is living with us that has gone through anything like this. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, my intent and I'd call it a snow day on steroids. Um, and so I thought I would mention a few things that, um, you know, have, go through the mind of an educational leader, superintendent, even assistant superintendent, school board members when it comes to making these decisions that impact thousands upon thousands of kids. And then of course the community and family, because when you shut down the pillar, one of our pillars of the community, which is schools, it, um, it changes everything. And so, uh, so first off, does that make sense? Why I would kind of jump into some of those pieces? Absolutely. And I don't know when the appropriate time is for me to ask the question I've been wanting to ask all along, but I'll, I'll, I'll find, I'll find yeah. a time for that. So, you know, the, the one thing I have mentioned when it comes to snow days, uh, it's, it's a lose-lose decision every time, <laughs> right? It just is. And, you know, what our leaders do is they just choose the best loss, 
right? And they, and they go through a process to do that. So every school district has a system, a system for how they analyze the level of safety um, in their communities and knowing that the community is often extremely different on one side compared to the next. But they have a system on how they gather information, how they uh, drive the roads, how they look at camera systems to determine levels of safety. They look at uh, reams of data, right? And with this data, they also look at then the comparable districts. Everyone wants to know what their neighbors are doing, so they go through a process. This is all starting at three or four in the morning, unless you're able to do it, do it the night before. And then they look at systems of basic safety. Can the bus get from the bus stop to the school? Are roads clear for parents to be able to drive to and fro? And then they look at their communication protocols. When they do decide, how will they announce and what will the communication be? Because people sometimes assume, oh, a snow day is a snow day. No, not necessarily, right? They're, what do you do for specific staff members? So you have to have all the communication protocols ready to launch so that you can be as clear as you can. And so on one side, if you make um, the decision, if you don't cancel school, there are some losses on a snow day or a potential snow day if you don't. So number one, there's gonna be anger, right? There's gonna be, everyone has a different perspective when it comes to what's safe, right? So that's a relative term, what is safe? Yeah. And so there's naturally gonna be people that are angry. Um, there's, you can have a loss of trust if they believe you are putting their children in danger. People are not gonna trust you if they think that that is going to be the case. Um, there is the, the what if worry, the, the concern of if you decide not to cancel school and there's just one accident that hurts one student and you happen to have thousands of thousands in them in a school district, right? That, that is concerning. There's liability issues. There's a lot of fear issues. And then there's staffing. Just because you say you can get to school safely doesn't mean that staff can. So are you sure that you can actually man the buildings appropriately? Because what if staff are traveling from far away and their neighborhoods are in different conditions? So you worry about all those things, even if you say it's okay to have school. And then here's, here's the other loss. Um, the superintendent says, you know, they go through the process. The decision is actually fairly clear. They say it's a snow day, everyone. And then everyone rolls their eyes or claps their hands and says, well, of course, it's a snow day. Look at it outside. Well, then that's another loss, by the way. Sometimes people don't think about the consequences, right? So number one, what about the kids who, who need to eat? They have two meals at school every day, five days a week. That's important to them. So there is that. And then you go through the anxiety worrying about are kids able to get the food they need for the day? You know, what if, um, what if they don't have warmth, which is a lot of kids? What if they don't have, excuse me, the dinghy in there? What if, what if they don't have supervision so you know they're at home alone on that day? So there's a lot of still losses that you go through. There's the um, loss of instruction. You know, we have 180 days. You start taking away days like that. It's really difficult to make them up because – are you just going to change the calendar? Changing the calendar is not as easy as people think. You change the calendar, it changes lives. And then once again, there you are in a lose-lose scenario. So right. you can't 
just lose a day and add a day as easily as people think. What about staff members who are hourly? And this is different state by state, district by district, but there are some places when you cancel school, your most vulnerable staff members, maybe your bus drivers, well, then they just, uh, they don't get paid. So right. it's also a significant dilemma. So a superintendent or a leader, they have to go through those kinds of decision points. It's not as easy as just, let's have a snow day. Right? Does that make sense? So, and that's just a snow oh, day. Oh, totally. So then, yeah, imagine just this. One, one or two days, right? Or a blizzard exactly that shuts right. down for, yeah, right, exactly. Exactly right. So, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of considerations. Um, and but but that's also something you have a lot of practice at too, right? I mean, you live, you know, you 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 most school districts have one to two to who knows twenty snow days a year, and so they they they're in a routine. This is just this is totally uh, different, right? right. Because Absolutely. we don't know how it's going to be, how long it's going to be, and and we don't. It's not even like summer, is it? Because the first thing I kind of thought was like, ah, how's this much different than? Summers, the school system has a, an operating modality in, in the summertime. And of course, I mean, it immediately is obvious why it's not like summer, but at the same time. So, I mean, talk to talk through maybe some of the things that some of these superintendents and school systems are having to confront for the very first time that there's no playbook for. And then talk to me, I mean, to what extent has any one contemplated anything like this. Do you think there were some systems that were like super prepared for something like this or literally like nobody was prepared for this? Well, a lot I'll of answer, Sorry. Well, I'll answer your, your last question first. Um, um, school districts, especially the, the ones that have some of the, the resources to have staff to help with this, have emergency plans in place. So there are emergency protocols, but nothing like this. Right? And it's not as though this is um, just an emergency. It's just that this um, is so comprehensive. This is not just about impacting kids in school. So this is impacting everything, right, from our economy. And um, literally every aspect of our daily lives are being impacted at once. So it makes this very different. Um, I don't think that school districts could ever say, oh, we have a plan for this. You know, this yeah. is different. And so it's, it's also interesting for me in that um, I, I am, it's easy for me to know there's so many things I don't know, right? Since, since I have done that work, I've gone through the process where people make a lot of assumptions and decisions. I call it uh, people judge up a lot. They judge you know, the decision that is being made on their behalf. So we look at maybe politicians or decision makers and sometimes make judgments about their decisions without having any of the information. So right now, this is what I would assume, and Brian will be able to kind of set us straight when we get him here on the, on the show in a few minutes. But number one, you know, there are, there, are, there, are, there are a lot of facts that are changing very through this process. They seem to be changing kind of weekly, if not even daily. So, you know, superintendents, school districts, they're listening to the CDC, right? Centers for Disease Control, state departments of public health, uh, sometimes county boards of health, local and federal agencies. They're getting information flying at them all the time. So they have to synthesize that, right? They're navigating conflicting reports. A week ago, I was reading 
article after article on both sides of the fence on what is the right thing to do relative to closing schools. There were scientific information being proposed by some saying closing schools is not a good idea when it comes to not wanting to spread this virus and others that said the exact opposite. So conflicting reports. Right, so they have to listen carefully um, and, you know, find some of the guidance that, that they can. Then there's the sentiments of the public. There, this is a, there's a lot of emotion going into this. So I guarantee a week ago, superintendents were being bombarded. If they were contemplating, do we close schools? There were some community members saying, how dare you? put our lives, the, the, you know, our lives, of, the lives of the kids in jeopardy by having them go to school. And then if they were to cancel school because maybe of one staff member or one person in the county, they may roll their eyes and say, are you kidding? We're all going to cancel school and have such an impact in the community just because one person 50 miles away was willing to cancel the school. So a lot of judgments get made all based upon emotion. And then there's the politics. So there's a lot of politics that go on, right? These decisions that often get made based upon what's loss as it relates to what's most popular, right? So there's a lot of, you know, what is the popular decision going to be? In some situations, you know, the political decisions can help a superintendent. So right now, there are some states where they have not taken a strong stance. Georgia actually has, but there are some states that haven't. So then a school district is left somewhat alone. Right there. Okay, so wait a sec. So, are you saying that even today there are schools in session somewhere in the U.S.? So, so I'm saying yes, there are, but some are. Oh, wow. And some, however, are just being closed, right? So, right. Uh, Brian okay. will come on and he'll be able to tell us kind of when they were able to make this decision and then how they got guidance, right? Yeah. So, and, and just for our, context for anybody listening, we are how many days into. I don't know. It's hard to say like when this in air quotes actually started, but um, certainly my kids were in school uh, last Friday. Right. Right. Were they? Well, was no, not, no, 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 no. There's Friday. teacher work days. Last so Thursday. We're, we're on. Yeah. Last Thursday. So we are into what the one uh, we're in the third day of intentional school closure here in Fulton County. Is that right? Well, uh, today's Tuesday. Is it? Yeah. But if we were closed Friday, I'm sure people are loving us trying to do the math right. on this. We're, it's very, it's very new, right? Uh, we've Correct. only just had the schools close. Okay. Right. And then every, so every district and every state is different that way. There are some that had a case maybe a couple of weeks ago that closed for a week to go through disinfecting the buildings. Right. Um, um, I do believe Cherokee, um, we'll ask Brian in a few minutes, but Cherokee, I know, made announcements last week and began their, pro their communication protocols. And I think they're in the second day. And then, of mm -hmm. course, the question, how long is this going to last? And yet we don't know. So gotcha. and then there are some superintendents I was talking to on the phone last week where they were just hoping that their state would come up with a strong stance because yeah. otherwise – you're faced with making this decision in isolation as a community right. and then right. trying to band together multiple districts. And then there's the comparing contrasting that happens. So politics can help. And then sometimes that they can hinder. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, lastly, I'll say that, you know, what superintendents are doing right now is 
they have one really important factor is they have to look at this, the lens of equity. A snow day, some families cheer. They say, yay, right? It's a snow day. Kids are going to yeah. go play outside and drink hot cocoa and make snowmen. Well, others, they don't, right? Because there's no one in right. the house. There's no warmth. There's no, what if they don't have, you know, connect, connectivity to the internet? Especially right. as schools are trying to think about how we produce online learning in situations like this. So they have to look at this based of, through this lens of equity that sometimes, you know, uh, a community member may not be forced to do like an educational leader must do. Does that make sense? It does. Great. It does. So I just want to say this before we get Brian on to um, that. Um, I've been asked a lot by people. Uh, how do you think, how do you think people are doing? How do you think school districts are doing? And I, I just want to go on the record to say I'm, I'm amazed. I think that yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the way school districts and educational leaders, superintendents are handling this, I, I'm, I'm watching the leadership and I'm, uh, I'm in awe. Um, number one, I told you I know better than to judge, but I'm not a Monday morning quarterback on situations like this. And there's a lot of those. But in this case, I can tell you that uh, even as a parent and a resident locally, but even throughout the country, because I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, in, in our community superintendents, we, we have 17 states, yeah. part of our group. And they're, number one, prioritizing the care and need for their students, staff, and communities. And they're making that clear in their communications. Communication is flooding us, and it is clear, and it is consistent. And the fact that they are to quickly arrange instruction and by the way it's not as good as going to school you know some of these online instruction protocols but with thousands of teachers how they line them up to give even somewhat levels of consistency is incredible yeah. and so i um i just think the superintendents and school districts they deserve our compliments and they definitely have mine because um, I've never done anything like this, and I only, if I were in that seat again, I only uh, would hope that I could do um, what some of what I see my colleagues across the country are doing now. Yeah, well, I've seen the same thing as a parent, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation between you and Brian here to to kind of really feel like we're uh, standing behind the scenes and watching this uh, go down. So, yeah. Great. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, I am I'm thrilled that I was able, you know, during this time to find one of the leaders that I've been, I just spoke so highly of. Um, and we have leaders across the country, as I've mentioned, but uh, my good friend, Dr. Brian Hightower, who is a superintendent here in Cherokee County Schools in Georgia, a neighboring school district, um, and uh, has been a great colleague, is a member of Leading Ed with us, and after 30 years of service as a teacher and administrator, Dr. Hightower took the office superintendent of schools in 2016. He started his career uh, with CCSD as a teacher, uh, both at elementary school and middle school. And not, after nine years in the classroom, he was an assistant principal, a principal, director of school operations, assistant superintendent of school operations, and in 2013 advanced to be the deputy superintendent. The Cherokee School Board uh, in December 2015 unanimously approved Dr. Hightower, and he has been uh, known as an innovator and a communicator and someone who cares deeply about kids.
Christians in community and the fact that he's willing to give us 15, 20 minutes here today as he's navigating the complexity we just talked about um, is uh, just really, really appreciated. So, um, Brian, welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be with you and Jason. And uh, I appreciate you setting Jason clear on school closures. Man, what, what a big <laughs> issue that is. Uh, you, you have a district, I know in Fulton, where you are at today, has 100,000 kids. Cherokee has 43,000 kids. 5,000 employees, and so this event has just captured the attention, uh, obviously, of America, but uh, as a superintendent and CEO, what a, what a what an amazing and opp opportunity, ultimately, but what a big task this has been. So maybe just walk us through what it's been like the last couple of weeks, Brian. I mean, it changes every day and every week, so as you've been navigating this, maybe Maybe just think back two weeks ago up to now. What's that been like from 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 your seat? Well, it's it's definitely been a learning curve. Uh, like you had mentioned, we we all have situations where we cancel school. We we implement programs. We we try to be nimble as leaders. Those kinds of things. But I, I had no idea what a coronavirus was. I didn't know what social isolation was, and I didn't. I definitely didn't know how to flatten the curve. <laughs> Part, part of part of this, as you mentioned, talking about reading resources from the WHO to the CDC to, to, to health officials, public health officials, uh, I think everybody's been ultimately trying to get their hands around this, their minds wrapped around it, so that they can guide their people and make good decisions. I, I felt like I was staying up till midnight every night for two weeks, just reading and trying to, to, to be informed so that the any communications, whether it were to employees or students and their families, was accurate, it was timely, um, and at the same time saying, and this is the, the way the current status is, uh, because it, it may change. I, I read something before I joined you guys today that at our local, at our local level, they're basically telling people, do not go to the emergency room without a without a scheduled uh, reservation. I mean, who would have thought we would be at that point, you know, in our public health system? But it's all part of the system. It's all part of the controls. But it just shows how our society can shift uh, when something like a huge public health risk comes into play. Brian, you heard me talking. Um, uh, potentially, you heard me talking. I was just referring to some of the. What I think some of the critical factors that superintendents weigh when it comes to closure, not just for a day, but even some of the assumptions that I was making on what they have to consider to make uh, a closure for such a prolonged period of time. What are some of those major kind of factors you were weighing as it relates to the need to make a decision? Sure. Well, you know, number one, it goes almost without saying, but you just have to, to throw it in there because it's the elephant in the room and that's public health. You've got to look at the health of your, your students and their families. You've got to look at the health of your employees, your workforce there that are so critical for America's kids. But that, that in and of itself and what, what does the system need to do to ensure the safety and well-being of its people. Ultimately, one of the things I've tried to do, Jeff, this year with my senior team is, is talk about the decisions that you make. It's not just about the kids. 
It's not just about the classroom. It's about community. You know, if we decide that we're going to move a, a school start time, let's say from an 8.30 to a 9, and now we're dumping traffic onto a busy road at a different time of the day, it blows up traffic. Every decision we make as superintendents impacts our parents and their workflow, the, the commute around the community, things that are going on. So you take a little thing like uh, changing a school start time, and now you're talking about, okay, we're going we're gonna to close down and do something totally different for the unforeseeable future. Uh, it's just huge and impactful. And so part of all of that was really trying to make sure that you weigh the importance of everything that ultimately provided and communicated. Public health being one, you know, uh, obviously there are a lot of systems. Um, I've used the, the term with my team that we're really creating new norms. You know, you have certain do it may be curriculum it may be technology it may be your hr operations it could be finance communication plans uh how you support your facilities with construction and uh, maintenance uh your school operations school police uh, there may be a lot of districts out there today that have their own police department we do all of those are functions and you all have systems of operating um in an effort to be nimble with this, we've really asked all of our division leaders to to really think about the new norms that they need to have in place. So that that's a huge consideration as you start to make a big shift, like a, a closure of this magnitude. You know, what, what would you say, Brian, are some of the misunderstandings? I mean, you as a, as a decision maker that has, you know, has to make these very impactful decisions, you're probably getting used to um, being judged, right? That happens. <laughs> well, you, you see that play out, Jeff, and I appreciate that. You see it played out. Uh, the messaging that you do uh, is assessed and judged by those folks that listen to you. We see it with the president and members of Congress. We see, again, the CDC. Everybody analyzes everything that you're making an assessment of and making decisions that they, they, they try to determine your motivation. Uh, they try to determine your accuracy, uh, your timing. Uh, I'm, I'm really becoming more and more a student of communication. And I think uh, to be a successful CEO uh, and superintendent, if you don't have the necessary communication skills, you can really drown. Um, I'm, I'm very blessed with a great communications department. We think a lot about our messaging. We try to be accurate and timely, caring, you know, all those things that you want to portray to your community, you, you really do that through your communications plan. And um, they, you are being judged by it. I, I will tell you one of the, the things that I realized about 30 minutes into making plans about cancellations. And we started doing some cancellations before we actually closed school. Some of our larger events, evening events, big events that happen once in a year. Um, I started using the word postponement <laughs> rather <laughs> cancellation because we don't know ultimately the end of this. Is this a two week? Is it a five week? Is it an eight week? Does it bounce to a 12 week? It's just unknown. So we've just chosen and we're not being, um, uh, disingenuous. We're not being insincere. There are a lot of things that we want to pull off uh, at the close of the year if we can get those things in that I would consider right now just being a postponement. So right. 
that's, that's, I think it's important that superintendents really think through um, how they consider their messaging. Uh, that, that's a big, because that can lead to a lot of understanding. I will tell you, right after uh, we had some uh, principals contact us to say, hey, proms, I'm thinking prom season, you're thinking April and May. We had three of our six high schools with proms scheduled for March. And we just had to say, you've got to look at postponement. Let's push those to May. Maybe you can get a venue, those kinds of things. I went to lunch and there was a lady two tables away from me that if, had she known who I was, she might've used her utensils on me. <laughs> you know, and it's about, it's about memories. It's also about money investment. And I thought somebody didn't message to her that they were being rescheduled or postponed versus canceled. She just heard from her child, no prom. So uh, misunderstanding communication, it's so doggone easy to do that. Um, there, there are a lot of complicated issues in and around this. We're, 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 we're dealing with lawyers right now on certain things like um, uh, FAPE considerations for special needs kids. Uh, that have protections under federal IDEA law. What's the new norm for uh, supporting those students when you're doing the distance learning model? So we're trying to work our way through that. Uh, the, the national government on Saturday morning announced that they were changing uh, how they were gonna apply FMLA to some employees. And so we're talking about maybe some employees getting to some money and using paid sick leave a little quicker. So some of it is just about things rolling out and the ability for your staff to analyze those, get legal guidance so that you're, you're doing those things that are being mandated that you're doing those correctly. So there's a little bit there. So I have a question for you. Um, you know, you mentioned this information coming out on Saturday and um, it's changing every day. So I have to imagine there's, there's a lot of things that you just don't know. You must be getting used to um, saying in a very professional way that, I don't know, but um, as soon as we do, we will do the best we can and make decisions accordingly, especially in a situation like this, because Jason even asked me earlier, do you think school districts were prepared for this? Um, I, don't, I don't know if we were in, prepared for this prepared for certain things, but not necessarily this. So how are you almost daily? Um, you're making micro decisions every day, I would imagine, correct? We're, we're making micro decisions almost hourly. I've almost tried to chunk them into half day sections. And early on, I uh, made this grandiose uh, pledge that I was only gonna communicate our changes to our parents every other day. Uh, you know, that was a tad foolish. You know, you, you communicate as you need to communicate, but there is, there is something to pacing your, your communication. Uh, there, you know, if you barrage someone with text or emails, they, somewhere in there, they, they finally turn you off. So we've tried to think through our pacing. Which, well, that's a great point. I'm glad you, you brought that up because ultimately things are changing just by the moment almost. We uh, received some guidance from our state yesterday late. We 
items in and around our accountability systems. We're also, unfortunately, in a time where we're, we're at the place where we would be doing summative evaluations with employees and thinking through and having tough decisions and conversations with maybe employees that we're not going to non-renew. You've got all of this going on, and then you've got guidance on the state about the you know, accountability systems and all. We received just before I came on the air uh, another set of four things that the states made a ruling on that have to do with their operations with local districts. So you just got to be nimble. You've got to, uh, I think, I believe, I'm trying to keep it all in context and just roll with the punches. Um, I think you mitigate some of that with your community. Um, I'm trying to mitigate it with, with being present and being consistent and being, uh, I'm a pretty transparent guy. Um, and, uh, you know, I communicate with our parents a good bit. And so I think part of me, part of them seeing me, the way I'm behaving is that I'm trying to be consistent to the way I normally would manage the organization and communicate with them as parents. I think that consistency is a big deal right now as well. So um, right now, um, your kids, I think this is their second day home, am I correct? That's, that's correct. And you made the point um, that school is postponed, right? Because I think that, just like you said, semantics are really important in a situation like this, right? Because people will take a piece of information, like prom was canceled, they will say it in a particular way that creates a different message and therefore a different emotion. So you're very clear. Currently, school is postponed, um, but in the meantime, you are still providing services. So maybe you could just talk about some of those, you know, daily services that you're working through um, in terms of maybe instruction, food service, etc. cetera, um, maybe to describe to people still how complicated it is. Certainly. Thanks, Jeff. Certainly. Um, the, the biggest push for us is our, our online digital content delivery. We've got a learning management platform where our teachers are publishing uh, lessons. Students are accessing those. We staggered those to where elementary students would access their lessons from 930. Uh, I'm sorry, from 9 to 1030 and then the middle and highs from 1030 to noon. That way, if you have a family with one laptop in the home, they can access the computer. Uh, they're, they're submitting all during the day. Uh, we, we set the hours more around students being, being accessible to their instructors, but there's a lot of posting and dialoguing and even some video conferencing going on at other parts of the day. But that's obviously in this environment, that's the, our biggest lift. That's married to technology, uh, making sure that students have machines, that uh, they have connectivity. Uh, if they don't have the connectivity, we've been doing paper packets for students. You don't want to create inequities. You battle inequity during a delivery like this because you're going to have students without a machine or without connectivity in their home. So you don't want those students getting farther behind and, uh, you know, 
not able to answer because of challenges that they might have. So those are big lifts for us, curriculum technology. We're doing a little bit of food service as well. We've been doing, we began it yesterday. We're doing Monday uh, food delivery. We served about 2,300 kids. And when a kid would come by in their car, the kid had to be in the car, the parent brought them through. Um, we gave them 10 meals. We gave them five breakfast, five lunch. So we ended up serving almost 23,000 meals yesterday to hopefully help some of our families through the week. We believe those numbers will double next week, but that's been, uh, to your point about community, that's really been uh, a positive thing for, for us. What we have seen, because th now this is a situation where you're expending money as, a, as an organization, but there's no money coming in. And so we've had a lot of organizations reach out to us to talk about partnering to cover the cost of meals during this period. There are some things that you can tap into as the district, obviously reserves or summer meal program monies and all, but to have the community go ahead on the front end, step up and say, what can we do to help? It's just really uh, been one of those things where we see that our community is willing to, to build tables and to want to be at the table, sitting at the table, helping community members. So it's been a real plus for us. Uh, it almost, you know, sometimes you need something to galvanize a community. It's almost like the meal program has become one of those pivot points for us. You know, and Brian, I'd say that you're not alone. Um, in, in my uh, observations and, and kind of daily research of how school districts are navigating this, one of this uh, bragging rights that we see coming from the communities is that um, this is one thing they're leaning into. And in some ways, it'll be interesting to see if it uh, creates what we as educators would call a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. It helps us realize that, oh, um, while we make food in our refrigerator, um, there are families that don't. And um, I, too, am seeing uh, communities throughout the country step up in new ways. Um, very similar to how you describe what's happening in yours. Mm. I think it's it's been such a, a, a nice piece to see the community rallying. I think um, I think ultimately um, humanity will prevail through these challenges. Um, I think that we will see people, it will take the strength of a community potentially to bring a community through some of the challenges. The, I think we do face some challenging days and I'm, I always try to keep things in context. I think it's important in the demeanor of a leader that they not uh, take things too seriously, but not too lightly to keep things in context. But I think the fact that community is stepping forward creates great context for us as leaders. You can really, as you said, lean in to moments like that to remind people of all the successes. So uh, let me ask this last question, um, Brian, Dr. Hightower, how, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, probably working, uh, you know, there are periods in it for educators where things are intense and you have to expend more energy. Uh, most of your listeners I know will be superintendents. Uh, they've all started new programs, so they've all walked into a new job and had that, had that piece where they were working for the first 30 days, probably 10 and 12 hour days. We're, we're there, we're at 10 and 12 hour days, but it's the, it, there's some, there's newness there, there's energy there. Um, it, 
it uh, sometimes your your brain wears out long before your body does just because you're you're really working systems but uh, you know I think we're good because uh, I think the partly because I think we've got community support great teams in place our my board has been very supportive of our efforts uh, they recognize hey we're, we're not even expecting perfection but we want to see our, our kids uh, have opportunities and uh, I think it, the, the school system and the, the operation of the school district uh, has been a point of pride for the entire community and so for a leader that that's very satisfying I think the work we're doing is good work and it makes you feel healthy it makes you feel psychologically um, whole and uh, I would say I'm doing I'm doing well considering all the circumstances well um let me just let me just say this i i i think uh what you're doing and other leaders in your situation are doing um just just know that uh i i am very thankful to see people like you step up step up on behalf of your communities and kids and um anything uh, just like to remind you to you're doing a good job always turning it to the community and you know, you're inspired because of what you're seeing. But in the meantime, do everything you can to uh, take care of yourself because you take on a lot on your shoulders and you can sometimes work 12, 14 hours, but that doesn't mean that your worry stops when you leave the office. I know you carry it at night, you carry it when you go to bed, and as soon as you wake up, you feel it again, assuming you are getting enough sleep. Uh, so just, just, just take care of yourself as best you can. I want to say to the community listening because – Brian, I actually think the majority of our listeners, and I think uh, we had over, you know, maybe over 10,000 downloads of, of this podcast collectively, uh, are not educator or educators, or if they are, they're not superintendent to them. Uh, thank your leaders. Uh, you know, I, I would recommend you continue to come together and collect our, our message at Leading Ed is don't lead alone. Um, so let your leaders know that they're not alone. Uh, they're doing the best they the best they can with the information that they have, and they too should be uh, should be honored in a situation like this. And so, Brian, once again, to take time out of your busy day, out of your um, crazy schedule to talk with us is is uh, is just is, uh, is is really generous of you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure to be with you guys today. Absolutely. You take care. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I want to say uh, thank you for listening. We'll try to get this, uh, this podcast uh, out a ASAP. Um, it was just a pleasure to have Dr. Hightower with us. Um, Jason, what do, you, what do you think we missed on this topic? Man, I don't know. I think, uh, can you hear me? I'm back on. I can. Right? Yes. Me? Okay. I, I, um, I, I love this. Uh, I think that it gives a great perspective. I, I just, uh, I admire, uh, Dr. Hightower and, and folks that do that job and all the people who have just stepped up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is amazing, and uh, and Brian would be the first to admit, and did, that he's he's not doing this alone, right? And he's got an incredible team. Yeah. His board is supporting us, him. But in the meantime, um, a decision like this is is the superintendents, even if they do have really good people helping them. So, yeah. lastly, I'll say to leaders, 
sometimes um, stick your head up and stick your head out and look around and know you're not the only one doing that job and lean on each other, steal each other's strategies, communication mechanisms. Look at those things. <laughs> because we can, we can use each other in a time like this and leaders need leaders. So, um, true. so thank you, Jason, for hosting us. Um, ladies and gentlemen, hang in there day by day. Um, and know that, uh, I, at least my prayers and thoughts are with, um, all those during this very difficult time. Yes, that's it folks. And we'll probably be back. There's still more of this story to be written and commented about and ideas to be shared. So, um, be safe out there and, uh, put your comments and questions into, uh, whatever podcast app you use to listen to this or contact Jeff directly. It's, uh, Jeff at leading ed solutions.com. That's Jeff at leading ed solutions.com. And we'll see you again soon. listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose, hosted by Jason Pace and Jeff Rose, and recorded at Serendipity Labs in Alpharetta, Georgia. We are produced and edited by Carson Pace. Our theme music is by Full Year of Panic. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.